Welcome to the Homesteaders of America podcast, where we encourage radical homesteading, simple living, hard work, natural health care, and real food. If you're pioneering your way through modern noise and conveniences, and you're an advocate for living a more sustainable and quiet life, this podcast is for you. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Welcome to this week's podcast, guys. I'm your host, Amy Fuel, and I'm the founder of the Homesteaders of America organization and annual events. If you're not familiar with us, we are a resource for homesteading education and online support, and we even host a couple of in-person events each year with our biggest annual event happening right outside the nation's capital here in Virginia every October. Check us out online at homesteadersofamerica.com, follow us on all of our social media platforms, and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can be the first to know about all things HOA that short for Homesteaders of America. Don't forget we have an online membership that gives you access to thousands, yes, literally thousands of hours worth of information and videos for your homesteading needs. It also gets you discount codes, an HOA decal sticker when you sign up for a VIP membership, and access to event tickets before anyone else. All right, let's dive into this week's episode. Before we get started with this week's episode, I wanted to take just a quick second of your time to share with you one of our 2021 HOA sponsors that I think you're really going to enjoy. Our sponsor for this episode is Share Healthcare. Share Healthcare is a healthcare sharing ministry that brings together like-minded Americans from across the country to share the burden of medical expenses. The healthcare sharing program at Share Healthcare is based upon Christian values and biblical passages, which teach us to maintain healthy and fit lifestyles, share the weight of others' burdens, and to love our neighbors. It's the belief of Share Healthcare that necessary medical treatments should be affordable and accessible to all who agree to their Christian principles and statement of beliefs. Share Healthcare invites all who agree with their principles and statement of beliefs to join them in the Christian tradition of healthcare sharing. Share Healthcare is a fully compliant online medical cost sharing ministry, and by providing each member an individualized FDIC insured bank account where their monthly contributions are held until being shared to pay fellow members of medical expenses. To learn more about Share Healthcare, please consider visiting their website at sharehealthcare.com or give them a call at 844 742 7342. All right, friends, this week I have the pleasure of sharing with you the recording of a YouTube live interview that we did. So if you don't want to listen to the podcast, you can always go and check out the YouTube live stream that we did with Dr. Theron Hutton, and it was an amazing interview. If you're not aware, Dr. Theron Hutton is a medical doctor. Yes, he has MD behind his name. He is the founder and medical director for Mulberry Clinics in Spring Hill, Tennessee. He's a board-certified family medicine physician and certified practitioner of the Institute of Functional Medicine. He has a passion for helping people live their lives in healthy and thoughtful ways. Dr. Hutton believes it is important to treat our bodies with care, after all, we only get one, and to utilize nutrition and supplementation to feel our best. If you were able to join us at the Tennessee event this year, you probably got to hear Mr. Hutton speak. If not, he will be at the Virginia October Conference, and I hope that every single one of you sit in on that class. I will start this podcast to say that the first eight minutes or so of the episode, the recording was a little bit dicey because Theron's connection was not very great. But after the first eight minutes or so, it's perfect. You'll hear it perfectly fine. So bear with us for those first few minutes where he kind of goes in and out. And then after that, it's smooth sailing from there. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Theron. Thanks for joining me today. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, thank you. 
Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me. We're doing awesome. Good. So for those of you who don't know, Theron is also joining us at the Virginia event. So if you're coming to that event, um, you can certainly listen to his um, lectures there. And also for those watching on YouTube, there's bunches of boxes beside me. Just pay attention, act like they're not even there. <laughs> All right, well, Theron, let's get started. How about you tell us a little bit about you and your story and your background and how you got started and what you do? Yeah, thanks. Um... Well, thanks for having me. Sure, I'll, I'll share a little bit about, I'll make a, a pretty long story as succinct as I can. But um, so like you said, I am what I do in terms of my practice and profession has changed and sort of grown and, and morphed and evolved over the, over the years. Um, so, uh, right now I do a lot of different things. So we live on 64 acres. I've got, um, a wife, eight beautiful children, and we, like many of you all, all your listeners, we're trying to sort of live closer to home and, and closer to the land and, um, and take care of the land and the things that we've been given and eat things that are, you know, produced locally and seasonally and all those things. Um, and, uh, but it didn't necessarily completely start out um, that way for us. I mean, we always had sort of those inclinations, but uh, through a long period to do that. And so it's interesting. A lot of people, I will know, I'll actually know people for months or years before, before they know that I'm a physician. I don't just, it's, it's just part of who I am. I don't necessarily walk around and tell, introduce myself as Dr. Hutton. I, you know, it's part of me, but I just, um, um, you know, you, I guess after talking to somebody for a short time, you, you learn what's important to them. So I end up usually talking about my family or, or farming or homesteading or community things. Right. Um, so we, I started out with um, a science and natural um, upbringing. My dad was a science teacher and we, always went camping and um, he, he would take us on hikes and sort of talk about the things that have been created and how cool they are. And I remember walking along trails and looking at flowers and little ferns and he'd flip them over and talk about how the ferns outside you know I like a lot of kids I did watch my share of tv sitting on the couch growing up but certainly have the best memories of camping and being outside and um, so I kind of that propelled me into my career in science and so I started in the sciences um, with some direction as I went to college um, and then just along the way, made some different friends and acquaintances and was led down this path to medicine, which was pretty new to me. I tell people it's funny that I ended up in medicine because I don't know that I, 
I don't remember maybe going to the doctor one time once growing up. Uh, I don't know that it was any any reason my folks did that. It just didn't wasn't on their radar. I think I went once to get stitches, and that's that's about it. Um, and even honestly, even going into med school, I literally had to learn the difference between like Tylenol and ibuprofen. Came at it with real fresh eyes, um, and um, which you know I had probably developed a slightly different perspective on things than some people would. That medicine or you know conventional medicine was a big part of their family history, which it wasn't in mine. Um, so got got in med school and got to thrive and heal and, and stuff and sort of didn't probably pay as close attention about all the different um, medications and all that. I just figured, well, those are going to change by the time I was ready to use them anyway. And so got through med school and, um, you know, even during med school, still just had this longing to be outside and um, uh, certainly probably neglected my own personal health a little bit in med school, which is not eating as well as I could have, but, um, got, got married and, uh, during, actually during med school, I made a couple because in some of those settings, you quickly learn that it's difficult to, to, to approach medicine the way we did in the United States, where it tended to sort of be this, you know, make a doctor's appointment, write a prescription, see people every three months, um, you know, and, and, you know, on average during residency and family practice, you know, we would see people that, you know, were on four or five, six different medications, and there was a lot of constant monitoring for, side effects and then um, certainly even just getting those medications you know as convenient as some of the pharmacies are to us was just not easy for people to do and so going to Uganda I learned I was like well that's just not going to work here that's not that's not sustainable and people just aren't it's not so I would I actually ended up getting a lot of training in agriculture uh, because at the advice of some older, wiser folks that had been there, like, you know, if you really want to make an impact on people's health, it really has to start with food. And I was like, man, I feel like I've heard that before, sort of like, let food be your medicine. It, it seems like some pretty old physicians had said things like that before. So I, um, you know, that really resonated with me. And I was able to then sort of blend my, my, love for medicine and healing and health with my love for sort of outside agriculture and, and, and learn how to put all those together. And so I became actually a certified, um, agriculture instructor. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and started working with, um, communities to help them actually, you know, I wasn't going to teach Ugandans how to farm in Uganda. That's ridiculous, but right 
but what I felt like I could do is use my skills and sort of bringing people together to get them talking, thinking, working together. Uh, and really, honestly, I asked a lot of people to teach me. And so when you ask people to teach you, you know, then they'll say, well, this guy knows how to do this. And this guy knows, like, well, let's all get together and talk about what it is that we can do in our communities to um, stay healthy, promote health. Um, you know, and then there you really learn the importance of land. So like if people don't have land, they can't grow food and they can't be healthy. And it's just a lot of um, I mean, that's one of the greatest tragedies of, of war and civil unrest around the world is that people are driven off their land. I mean, we lived an hour north of this huge, I call it an IDP camp, where they had people just from all around the area, basically a refugee camp, but internally displaced. And they had these little like makeshift tents made out of tarps. And they just had, you know, they just were at, you know, they just are at the mercy of the UN just to bring them bags of you know, flour and rice in there because they just had no no land. They, I mean, they're expert growers. They can grow. It's fertile. And they, I mean, they're amazingly hardworking people, but they just, they were just forced off of their land. And so they were just starving to death because they had had no land. And so that's like, man, having having a little bit of land is just so incredibly important. And it's a thing that I just, I took for granted, um, you know, probably until then. So we were there for five years in Uganda and then came back uh, eight years ago now. And I actually um, started working for a hospital in a pretty conventional practice. But um, as you can imagine, it just didn't, it didn't really fit well. I started getting in trouble for spending too much time with my patients and getting behind and talking about nutrition and, um, you know, so, which is, you know, that's, it's their business. They can, do what they want but I just after not long realized I just needed to figure out a different way to do this yeah um you know and it was so I went out um essentially on my own I found a, another buddy that felt a lot like I did and we shared office space for about a year and um and then I was on my own after that so I just really had to um partially reinvent uh, medical practice, there was this model of sort of direct primary care where people just pay me a little bit each month. And then I sort of become their personal doctor, which uh, was appealing to me in, in a few ways. Uh, you know, uh, just sort of another conversation is just the whole mess with the medical system right now with insurance and, and all that. But so that that was something that I felt like I couldn't continue to be a part of um, that mess. And so I just like, well, I, I feel like I need to operate something with transparency, with, you know, price transparency and, you know, and, and, uh, and have a relationship with my patients where what I say to them and, and the advice that I give them um, isn't, dictated by a third party, whether it be a company, a hospital, an insurance company or something like that. I had to be in a place where I could be completely honest with people. And, and it's kind of a bad business model because really I'm, I'm trying to promote independence. So if people come in and I teach them how to do what I do at home, then essentially they don't, they don't need me. So I had to come to terms with that. And, you know, I had people say, well, you know, it's really not a good business model to try to 
promote independence if they're not dependent on you then why are they going to keep paying you i was like i don't know but i can't but i got to do it that way and so I, you know i'm really what it does is it compels me to keep learning because i'm you know because hopefully my patients trust me and and so you know and they i'm like well i don't i'm not going to solve all your health problems for you that's going to be on you you know a good doctor is not going to work harder than than their patients are um but what i can do is is do research on your behalf and use what I know already and what I'm willing to learn to, to kind of coach you and guide you. And um, so we connect with each other regularly, even if they're not sick and just kind of, you know, I'll give them updates and stuff like that. So that's what I do now. So I spend a lot of my time raising kids, um, you know, raising a few animals. Um, we've got a big garden that my wife is mostly responsible for. Um, <laughs> And um, we just love our, living on our 64 acres. And we're just, you know, tr like everybody here, trying to do things more to, uh, to be at home. I mean, that being said, I've been gone living in a hotel for a week playing baseball. <laughs> uh, but yeah. anyways, you know, but, but. Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty incredible. That's, that's awesome. So, so essentially your experience in Uganda helped you understand that there was a better way even here um to self-sufficiency not just in food freedom but health freedom which yep. is which is really what what we're all about too um so you have this this office this doctor's office essentially and you do it by membership base is that right that's right yeah yeah okay. so they, they pay me a month per person or family and um you know and again to me it solves a whole lot of problems for for everybody right uh it's affordable it's predictable it's transparent i i, I just give people all that say here's what you get for the membership you get yeah you, know, you cancel at any time if it's not helpful to you just cancel it. it's no big deal we don't force anybody into a long-term contract right. i was like as long as we're helpful to you you know just you know, and I, I don't want to have to go anywhere, but, you know, so essentially it's almost, you know, it's like a retainer or just sort of like a, almost like a Patreon model. It's like, you know, I need a little bit of money to, to have the freedom to uh, do research on your behalf and feed my kids and family. And, you know, here's, here's what I need. And if, if you think what I offer is valuable, you know, pay me for it. If, if yeah. not, that's fine. So. And so far you're doing great, right? I yeah, we're, we, oh uh, yeah, it's, it's been incredible. I think it's actually grown now. And I, um, you know, what I tell my staff is like, you know, we don't pedal medicine, we pedal trust. Um, and, and that's, that's what people I think need right now from so-called healthcare professionals yeah. is, you know, in my experience too, as an herbalist, people don't have the confidence to do yep. home healthcare themselves. And so yeah. you kind of, you're that medium person where they yep. don't want to go to the hospital or a, a modern doctor yeah. and they do trust you. And that's awesome. That's, I think yep. it's a great business model. Who told you that it was a horrible business? <laughs> well, model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, the conventional model, you know, is like, I get you on a medicine. So you have to come back every three months and we check labs to make sure your liver's not shot. Um, right. And then refill your prescription. And hopefully we're not, we're not heading down that road, but, but right. yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's, it's fun. I do. I have a lot of people that, you know, that's what they do. They'll come in they'll have an earache or something going on. And I'll say, well, right. you know, and what I tell people is like, my tool bag is just a lot bigger than it would be otherwise, since right. I feel comfortable with oils and herbs and, 
obviously prescriptions as well. And we just, you know, we have a conversation and, you know, the biggest determinant of whether something's going to work for somebody is honestly, whether they believe it's going to work. And so yeah. I have people that are scared to death of prescriptions. So they don't want, you know, they don't only want to talk about it. it, sends their heart into palpitations if I mention it. And I say, okay, well, let's see what herbs and oils are going to work. And they feel great about that. And I'll even pull out my bag of dried mullein or something like that and say, here's how you make a tea. I'll write the recipe down. Or, you know, here's how you can mix up a couple oils to help with your earache or yeah. whatever. And I'll just do it right there for them. And, give them that little bit of confidence to do it. Um, That's awesome. Well, okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. So at the Tennessee event, a lot of people came up to me and they were like, I'm never wearing sunglasses again. <laughs> and so ever since then, um, I've had a lot of people talking about that. And then I'll mention it to people. And so I wanted to bring it up here because some people don't understand it. They've heard other people talking about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that and okay. something people don't really know about? Sure. Well, I, it's funny. I almost said it in passing just because I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what this has to do with homesteading, but, <laughs> um, but it is, uh, it's a thing. So to me, you know, I, I, I feel like as I've, read and researched just sort of the sun in general and so honestly what got me going on this was honestly I was feeling crummy for a while and um uh a, a number of things and I started reading um just some different books some of them older about the sun and how like in sanitariums where people had like tb and these chronic illnesses they had these um sun rooms or basically they had they would have this quad in the middle of a hospital where every day they would roll the patients out into the sun and they would have their sun treatment um you can find pictures of it online it's kind of cool these little kids with tb or other ailments and they'd put them out in the sun and and then i was like and then i read some more and they've just done uh um, you know, a lot of research on the benefits of the sun in terms of replenishing red, red blood cells and, you know, and all the nitric oxide benefits. And, uh, and there's a guy from, he used to live in Nashville, Jack Cruz, um, who's a neurosurgeon and some people know about him. He's gained a little notoriety. And so I, um, spent about a year reading, re trying to read his stuff. He's, he's kind of a genius. So it's really hard to sort through a little bit of his stuff, but um, but then I just started doing a little self-experimentation. I always wore nice, you know, sunglasses, fishing and being outside and driving and all this stuff. And I always got sunburn really bad. I'm, you know, fairly pale complected. And then I'd start doing more research. And again, it is related to farming because, you know, I started, I raised chickens and I was like, well, the chickens have very you know, specific sunlight cues that tell them what to do based on what the sun's doing, you know, so right. tells them when to molt, when to lay eggs and all this stuff. They know what time of the year it is based on what the sun's doing. And, you know, I kind of, as a joke said, you don't see chickens wearing sunglasses, right? <laughs> um, right. And, and then just more and more. And so I stopped wearing them uh, altogether probably four years ago. And I, and I haven't really had a sunburn since, and I should like, even two days ago, we went outside. I had my shirt off for five hours in the intense sun 
got a little pink, but that's it. Um, and started doing re what about skin cancer and all this stuff and you know and really the the um there's three kind of skin cancers i won't go too deep in this but there's melanoma um and then squamous cell and then basal cell well melanoma is the bad one like people don't want to get melanoma well in fact there's a little bit of evidence suggests that sun exposure actually reduces your risk of getting melanoma not increases it in fact uh, Australia has started to recommend daily sun exposure to their residents in order to decrease their risk of melanoma, which is wow. pretty high in Australia. So, you know, we're not exactly sure, you know, what causes melanoma, but it's probably not the sun. Uh, it doesn't seem like that. In fact, the sun might protect you. So what I tell my patients is, you know, the, the, you know, just like, again, a chicken, if you see the sun with your eyes, your eyes send messages back to your pineal gland in the back of your head that then can, you know, your, your skin's an organ. It's a very big organ and it right. responds pretty quickly to what your brain tells it to do. I mean, if you are nervous, your, your, your sweat glands open up pretty quickly and you start to sweat. That doesn't take a long time to happen or if you're embarrassed your skin turns red and flushes and so your body your brain controls what your skin does very quickly and it actually can protect your skin uh, from the damaging uv rays of the of the sunshine which are actually not that bad like the, i tell you the sun is not out to kill you i promise um, <laughs> um so if we can get up and watch the sun rise so there's a bunch of benefits to that um and it's actually some people have actually improved their vision by doing that which is oh, wow amazing um and then but you got to be careful you got to you, you know be sensible you don't stare into the sun for, for a long time it's just a few minutes as the sun's coming up and it's kind of that red um and then in the morning the the um the, the sun actually hitting your skin prepares your skin to then have the appropriate protection against the more potentially harmful, harmful UV rays during the midday. And then the evening sun repairs any damage that the UV rays may have done to your skin. So I say prepares and then repairs. And then it's that, um, that noon sun, that higher incidence sun angle on your body that actually generates your vitamin D and turns your cholesterol into helpful things. Um, and that's difficult for your body to do when you're wearing sunglasses because it's getting signal to your brain that it's dark outside if you have sunglasses on. So it can't modulate what's happening on the surface of your skin very well, which it, which it wants to do. Um, you know, interestingly, if you're going to wear sunglasses, you probably should wear them inside your house at night. Um, not outside when it's sunny. Um, so, so then it, that, it, you know, that improves, you know, again, skin sort of response to sun, but then also helps reset your circadian rhythm. Um, so your melatonin is made in the morning in response to red light coming up. So we think of melatonin as a nighttime hormone, and that's when it is activated, but it's made in the morning in response to the sun coming up. So we make melatonin in the morning and we activate it in the evening. So the way that we activate in the evening is that sun going down so that, you know, that yellow transitioning to orange, transitioning to red sends a signal again to our brain to start activating melatonin because it's now time to uh, get, get ready to go to sleep. So that's where the, a lot of people are a little bit more aware of the, the, the dangers of blue light in the evenings. Right. 
So that's where people say, well, where red, where that's where the red blue light blockers come in. Um, so if you have that intense blue light at night, you're actually turning off your melatonin response and shutting down your circadian rhythm. Um, so that's, that's why the red lights at night are better inside. So, um, so that's, that's kind of my, it's funny that sort of became, I didn't invent that, I promise, but it is funny. My patients will see me and I see them like all, like they'll see me coming and they'll like hide their sunglasses. Oh, no. I'm like, I'm not judging you. I get it. It's fine. It's just, you know, it's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty incredible, it's, it's been a conversation in our house since Tennessee. And I had heard that before. I don't wear sunglasses anyhow, but um, I had actually heard Joel talk about it. Joel Salton a few times um, yeah. in it. So it was really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, you know, I really wanted to ask you, a lot of people are looking at their healthcare and they're looking at health freedom in general. And you've yep. been a pretty good advocate for that in your state. Sure. Yep. Um, what are some recommendations that you might have for people, homesteaders specifically, when it comes to their healthcare and fighting for health freedom, how do they even get started with that? How do they really get their community going and, and activated for health freedom? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So I think there's probably two or th probably three things. I think you have to, um, I, I think you have to educate, educate yourself with a, with a wary eye, sort of a, 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 I, I think I have a, just a mildly distrustful sort of personality um, you know, just a healthy dose of skepticism, I think is good. Um, I, I, it's fun to me that things that are going on right now, like I have patients who've always sort of been not sure who to listen to, which is completely understandable, you know, call me and be like, Hey doc, we're, we're in like, we, 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 we get it now. We see what's, what's going on. Um, you know, I think you just have to ask yourself a few basic questions, like who stands to profit from right. what I'm being told? I mean, that seems like a pretty easy one. Um, you know, I'll tell somebody something like, don't wear sunglasses. And I'm like, why would I tell you? Like, I, I gain nothing from that. Like, I, I don't get to sell you anything by telling you that. And, and if it doesn't make sense, that's fine. You know, in fact, I might lose you as a patient because it sounds so weird to you because everyone else in your whole world the, the eyeglass salesman, your ophthalmologist, your optometrist, your dermatologist are all telling you to wear them. Why would I say something different? It makes me look stupid um, and I gain nothing from it. So, so if somebody is out there telling you something different from people who are profiting from telling you a certain story, at least listen, at least pay attention to it. Doesn't mean they're right. I, I could be completely wrong, but um, but I think that's an important starting point is, is, you know, figure out who you can trust and why. And the people who you, you, you know, and, and the problem is as human beings, we are inclined to trust people that we see more often right. on television, on the internet, including me. Like, don't trust me just because I'm on this podcast, like investigate. Um, but, you know, um, you know, so, so who is making money off of what they're telling you? And then, and then what do they stand to gain from telling you what they're, what they're telling you? 
Um, and then how are they, are they 100% certain? I mean, if they sound completely certain about what they're telling you, I can just be very careful because it's really difficult in science, in health and medicine to be certain about anything. It's very difficult to prove anything is true. So a healthy dose of humility, I think you should be listening for that as well. Um, and I'm the most humble person that you'll ever meet. Um, that's a Bible joke. Um, so, um, so humility and then who's profiting from, from what they're telling you, I think are big ones. And then educate yourself. And, and like, it bugs me. It just always rubbed me the wrong way when I'd hear colleagues say like, well, my medical degree is, you know, more than your Google, whatever. Right. I don't even know what the thing that they always say is, but I'm like, that's not true. Like that is an argument of authority. And that's a logical fallacy. Just because you have an MD after your name does not mean you know everything. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you always make rational choices. Like doctors are some of the most irrational people I've ever met because they are, they are beholden to these groups that have given them permission to practice medicine. And, and they either have to like be in line with them or step out of line with them and risk a lot. You know, they might have to risk their job. They might have to risk their, you know, their loans that they've taken out. There's a great deal insurance. I mean, who knows? There's a great deal to lose by not being lockstep with, you know, these authorities that give me the privilege of practicing medicine. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, and, you know, I, I had, I had a friend post one time, he said, I'm biased about many things, but I'm not biased about medicine, about healthcare. And I'm like, that's one of the most biased things you can <laughs> say like that. You don't even see the irony in saying you're not by like you, you have to be like, everybody's biased about that. You just, if you're lucky, you kind of know what your biases are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but if somebody says they're not biased, that's, you know, run away. Right. Um, they are. I mean, yeah. they just showed they are. Um, so, and then get organized. And, you know, and it sounds almost like, you know, you're beating a drum, but you've got like the people that run your state or your county or whatever, they just want to have a job. I mean, they just want to have a job and they will do whatever you want. I mean, ultimately, if they feel the vast majority of people are, are, you know, wanting food freedom and healthcare freedom, they will respond to that. I mean, they will. So, yeah. the, I mean, people have to vote with, I mean, you have, they, I mean, like, you have to vote with your pocketbook, where are you spending your money? And you've got to tell these, very, you got to start locally. I wouldn't go to like, don't write Joe Biden and tell him what you want. Nice. He doesn't care. But you go to your local city council, you go to the mayor, you go to your town council, you go to your town mayor and you I mean one of the things we're going to start doing in spring hill is we're going to put the pressure on our local city council to get rid of the city using roundup i mean yeah. it's ridiculous how much roundup they spray everywhere in our waterways in our you know all over the stream beds just it's just you know and so i i mean i start by stopping my truck and pulling over and say hey man i just noticed you spraying all that stuff just wondering you know what, if you know what you're doing, if you, you know, be real nice about it, but right. you know, now when they see me coming, they run the other way, but, um, but yeah, you got to start there and, you know, and then you just, you just have to be persistent. So you got, you know, figure out who to trust, be organized. I guarantee it's, 
you know, I hate to I hate to stigmatize. And I, it's usually moms that really get fired up about this stuff. I mean, the men are the men are happy to do it. Um, but find a few people. I mean, it's great to get men involved too, if you can. I mean, to get your husbands involved. But um, you know, get organized. Get a few people who who really can take the lead on organizing these things. And go to the city council meetings. Go to the school board meetings. Go to the whatever meetings, and just you know, and just say, look. The evidence is there. This is what we need to do, and um, you know, be assertive and 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 uh, you know, be kind, but be assertive about it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a question we get a lot, and and my reply is often, you you really have to be active. You know, you yeah. can't just sit around and wait for somebody else to do it. Yeah, you have to be a squeaky wheel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> jumping back to the sunglasses thing, real quick. Um, so this is a question my husband had too. So the first question was that someone has to wear prescription sunglasses or else it hurts and or else it hurts their eyes. Yep. And my oldest son and my husband both have blue eyes and they have said something similar that their eyes hurt when they're outside and it's bright mm -hmm. sun. So how do you, what do you recommend? Yeah, I blue eyes too. Very fair complected. Like I haven't been outside. I mean, I'm a little pink now, but I'm very fair complected. I have blue eyes, Northern European ancestry. And my eyes have accommodated, honestly, you know, awesome. and, I, and I'm, you know, and I'm not saying like stay out in the heat of the day all, I mean, go find some shade or put a shirt on or a hat or something, but, but your eyes will accommodate. Again, your body is an amazingly adaptable thing. And as you spend time outside your eye, I promise your eyes will get yeah. used to it. Now, I wouldn't say, you know, I mean, to me, like, you know, maybe spending all day on a boat or or driving. I mean, if those are not necessarily natural environments, you might, right. you know, I could see the benefit. And, you know, certainly if you're wanting to protect your eyes from other things like fishing hooks or whatever, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say it's, it's a guideline. I wouldn't say it can never be broken, right. um, but your eyes will get used to it. I mean, that's the, where that morning sun comes in uh, right. as well as in that yeah and stuff i mean i've heard tons of people honestly i used to be the same way i had some really nice i mean i probably have two 250 pair of sunglasses sitting in my drawer and i mm -hmm. kind of feel like i'd like to sell sell them to somebody but my, i'm not <laughs> sure if i should do that <laughs> i'd violate my conscience a little bit but oh man okay so uh next question is so we have a lot of homesteaders obviously we're all trying to get i mean many of us many of us have reached a point where we feel like we're really healthy and we're doing yep. really healthy things but a lot of us still have a lot of work to do sure. and so what are your suggestions for just easy ones like what are yep. things that everyone can start doing right now even just five suggestions yeah. um, to get their body back on track to make significant change in their life even if they get off this live stream and start today so i think fix your sleep make like that to me like I heard a guy say this and it's true. Sleep is your superpower. So you've got to fix your sleep. So we're terrible and me included about you know, getting up too late, staying up too late. And so do what the sun is doing. So up with the sun, down with the sun, get in bed early. Uh, your sleep heals you, it restores you. I mean, it, it cleans your brain out, your lymphatic system, you get flushed uh, during your sleep. Uh, fixes your immune system, your nervous system, anxiety is better. 
uh, all those things are, I mean, huge. So sleep, I mean, and all these are going to be connected. So one sleep, the second one that I, it, that I do, and I have people think about is heart rate variability. Um, and this is a sign that your nervous system's working right. So I teach my patients about this and I almost make it a vital sign. Now, so, you know, if you go to the doctor, they take your vital signs, your blood pressure, temperature, height, weight, and pulse and oxygen, and they write it all down. That's what everybody does. Well, I think heart rate variability should be another one. So research is pretty cool. So heart, healthy heart rate variability is high. So you want a lot of variability in your heart rate between each beat. So we always think of like the EKG being just evenly spaced out and that's good. Well, that's actually not good. Between each heartbeat, if you look at an EKG, the little wavy lines, that space between them should actually should actually fluctuate. That's called heart rate variability. So you want high heart rate variability, and that's a sign of a good autonomic nervous system. Um, and that actually is a predictor of all kinds of health benefits. So you can literally check someone's heart rate variability and almost tell them how they feel based on that. So when we're anx anxious, we're stressed, we've got too much going on, we didn't sleep well, we didn't eat well, our heart rate variability goes down. If think good things are happening, it goes up. And interestingly, I had a patient the other day who knew this and she got a ring to, there's a bunch of things you can do at home to monitor. Huh. I'm actually a big fan of uh, sleep tracking devices. Yeah. You know, I think in homesteading, we sort of be like, we look askance at technology and we just like, no, just give me a shovel and some dirt and I'm good to go. But I think there are simple technologies. If we use them carefully, we, we can really benefit from them. And one of the things that I tell my folk, get a sleep tracker, like, um, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, they make, you know, they make these rings, they make um, bands and stuff uh, that will track your sleep, your heart rate variability, uh, all these things. And, you know, so, so, um, so she brought me in her heart rate variability record and we looked at, it and it was pretty good. I mean, she had some low ones, she had some good ones and she had one that was super high. And I was like, that's amazing. Like you were, I think it was like 108, which is high if you know anything about it, but and I said, what happened there? Did you get a really good night's sleep? Or she's like, no, nah, like usually it's high if I go and garden, if I'm out, you know, in, with my feet in the soil, which I was like, that's super cool. Your heart rate variability goes up. And it's like, yeah. She's like, my highest heart rate variability I ever got was when I stayed out partying with my friends. And I was like, no way. That's so cool. Um, so to me, I've talked a little bit about that in my talks. I'll probably throw this picture of our HRV score up next time I talk, but it just showed the importance of being in a community of people that you love. Right. Um, and so that was, she's like, my heart rate was never that high. And, you know, she's, hey, we even drank a couple drinks and stuff, which we always think is a bad thing. Um, so, you know, so, so sleep and then using your heart rate variability to figure out what it is that your body responds well to. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, broadly speaking, it's a little bit of self-experimentation, right? Um, so you can accomplish all that, you know, pretty easy. And one of these days, maybe I'll endorse one of these products or something, but, um, um, and then, you know, work on, and it's, I mean, obviously we're homesteaders. So work on eating seasonally, locally, as close to you as obviously organic. If you can figure out what that means, um, as close to home as you can. Um, and I know that like not, I mean, we're at a hotel for, six days. We're not eating right. our home food right now. We're doing the best we can. Um, you know, so replace, re, you know, replace something non-optimal that you're doing with something better, you know, and you can do that week to week. We say, okay, we're going to, we're going to move, we're going to remove this sort of not great habit 
but replace it with with something else. Um, um, you know, and, and I don't care. Like people say, well, I don't, you know, have a lot of land or I live in an apartment. And I say, that's cool. Like get a pot and put a tomato in it or something like that, you know, or find somebody who does farm near you and support them. So just sort of bring your sphere of food more locally as you possibly can. And if you're not going to be a farmer and you can't grow food, that's fine. Somebody probably close to you, um, wants to and so figure out a way to support them i mean really that's you've got to do that or they're going to go away um so let's see that's three or four now maybe that's enough yeah eat locally (laughs) seasonally and and get fix your sleep um are big ones yeah yeah so going back to your your profession so you were talking about colleagues before how has your transition from you know, modern medicine into functional medicine and herbalism and all that. How has that kind of changed your social life? Has it at all changed your social life? Did you lose friends? I'm sure you've gained new ones. How did that work for you? Because obviously, you know, that's kind of the trend for homesteaders. People didn't necessarily grow up in this way of living. And when they decided to change this way of living, their entire life changed. They you know, their family members thought they were crazy or they lost friends. So how did that look for you? Yeah. Um, I, I'm probably cut of cut from a different cloth than some people. I just, um, uh, I, I feel like for me to, you know, living consistently with my, you know, as with my values and I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, I have certain values that are derived from that. And, you know, and as you know, I've, I have, I probably from my upbringing and some intrinsic personality, um, I, I figured out somewhere along the line that, you know, like the easy life is often not the good life. Um, And, you know, and it's, it's all of those sort of maxims that we heard sort of growing up is, you know, like hard choices, you know, are, are better often. Um, and yeah, so as, I mean, certainly on a professional level, um, I get regular feedback. I think my patients are kind, but I get regular feedback from some people that, you know, in our, in our community that are in medicine about me, (laughs) it's not, and it's not often favorable, but, but sometimes it is, you know, so you just, I mean, like anything, I think you can go through life and court and sort of be all things to all people and never necessarily stand for anything. I mean, you, everybody can like you, but, but I think when it comes down to it, um, maybe you haven't necessarily lived a life of integrity when you do that. And so, um, you know, I think you quickly find that when you take a stand um, for something, take a position, then, you know, I've, I've just figured out, like, if you don't have any enemies, you probably haven't really taken a position on anything. Right. Um, And, and honestly, honestly, a lot of times those enemies are people that, um, probably do honestly have some amount of respect for you even if they don't believe what you do Mm -hmm. and honestly like I have patients that come to me that like 
that hate almost everything about like on a like if like they don't have the same political beliefs I do they don't have the same faith I do they they don't have the same values I do but interestingly they love what I bring to them like they know if I call the if they call the office they're going to be treated with dignity and respect we're going to be responsive they trust me, which is, is so ironic to me. They trust me almost more than anybody else. But on paper, like we have nothing in common. They would hate everything about me. We would never vote the same. I mean, nothing. And But they call my office because nobody else will help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, and that feels good. But, um, but yeah, I, I've gotten some negative feedback from professionals in medicine and which you know kind of you know now kind of makes me smile a little bit um um you know but you but honestly the people that latch onto you when you take a stand for something like I mean they're closer than family to you I mean they like I am sure if anybody ever threatened our practice right now I mean there would be hell to pay I mean I'm not like not because of like I'm gonna make but like all I've done is step out in faith and, 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 and stand up for the people in my community that are tired of being treated poorly by health professionals. And I said, look, I'll shut my practice down before I'm forced to do things that violate the conscience of me and my patients. Right. Uh, and they, I mean, they'll, they will give up a lot for you. Um, so if you want to know who your people are, take a stand for them mm-hmm. uh, and support them. And I promise they will support you back. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, I've lost people who, you know, maybe they needed to go away anyway, but I've gained a lot of friends who, you know, we were very tight knit now. Yeah, you've, you've found your people. That's yep. what we, we found our little tribes of people that yep. Um, yep. both nationally, internationally and locally, and you've made a really big impact in your community and bringing you into HOA, you've already made a super big impact in the homesteading community too, which is pretty Good. awesome. Good. Um, so looking at the future, you know, what do you see your practice doing? Are you, are you good with where you are? Um, are you looking to do more? We've had some people ask, hey, does he do long distance memberships? Or are you just yeah. local? What does that look like for you? Well, it's interesting because um, I've gotten... I had to step away from social media for a little while. Just, uh, I just needed a break, but I've decided I'm not around it. I'm not into as much, but a little bit, you know, there's just so much, um, out there that, you know, I feel like one particular story about health right now is being so heavily promoted that, that we need to counter that a little bit. Um, and I don't have to say a lot, but just say, hey, there's another story out there that um, if people want to look at, they can, you know, so just invite people to say, look, smart, trustworthy people have been thinking about this for a long time, especially, you know, here in the last year or two. And there is another story out there that that has some validity to it. And if you want to hear it, you know, it's out there. Um, and so I've just decided you know, to, to do that a little bit and just say there, you know, so anyway, I've had, I've actually had a, a, a people calling me all over the country trying to get some help and advice because they just can't find 
somebody locally who will shoot them straight it sounds like or just you know entertain the idea that there might be some other options than you know the this the narrative that's out there for dealing with covid or whatever so yeah i'm actually busy um mostly just coaching people and telling them what they can do again at home i mean so much of again like people's health and dealing with covid and stuff now you know it's a great time to educate people and just say look there's host you know 18 months ago i said hey there's this thing coming we're not sure exactly what it is it seems you know it's a virus you know but like any virus get outside in the sun and get your vitamin d up don't stay inside your house and be you know um you know seclude yourself from the sunshine and the outdoors get outside and you know and i still have patients that are like man i can't you know we listened to you a year and a half ago and you know when we got sick it was mild and we zipped on through it and we just you know and um and you know it's again back to that what we were talking about earlier it's just like i you know i don't have anything to gain by telling you to sit outside in the sunshine like right. i'm not selling you a test or a shot or a medicine uh i just want you to be well and to trust trust me and if you know I'm, and they did you know a lot of them do and and um yeah and uh you know that's not a pat on the back to me it's just like look, i'm just telling you what i believe is true and what i've researched and what makes sense um anyway so i have a lot of people contacting me all over i mean literally from all over the world i just got a message from somebody from africa who's wanting to know about what they can do because wow they have a hard time you know they're not sure if they want to get vaccines so they're right so so i stay busy um with that um and then yeah. anyways so just balancing all that with um doing a lot of national and, and local international consults and doing some speaking it's sometimes easier to uh carefully educate you know bigger groups of people at one time if if we ever have the opportunity to right. do that and then um you know um getting ready for the hoa up up there in october um and then baseball with the kids and then we do, you know, I have people all the time contact me saying we can't find a clinic like yours where we live, you have a recommendation and I, I do have some colleagues around that. Um, that I can endorse that do a great job okay. different places but. Um, you know I, i'd love to one day expand and maybe have some more clinics around the, the, the trouble I honestly have is finding people who think like me, I mean uh that from a business aspect it's pretty easy to do what i do but finding doctors and stuff who will kind of ascribe to our way of doing medicine it's not not always easy they're out there but right and it's hard to find trustworthy people too you know yeah. you, aren't, you, yeah. you want to stay in control and 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 yeah. find people who can exactly what you said do what you do yeah. um one quick question if anybody has any questions we have just a couple minutes left um yeah. linda graves is asking do you have any experience with homeopathic medications? Have you heard that the FDA is trying to make the use of homeopathic medications and certain herbs illegal? Um, I have a little bit of experience with homeopathic uh, medications. I am not a homeopath. So like, um, so I think some of people like don't, like I wasn't even had to learn what that actually meant. And right. so, so like some people think that I've actually been called a homeopathic doctor and I'm not like, I'm like homeopath, homeopathy is a very specific kind of medicine dealing with kind of 
very minute quantities of 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 cure you know of of remedies uh which operate almost on an energetic level uh, for healing which which i've actually seen very very profound things um work there so i mean i'd say specifically in terms of homeopathy i have a few things that i can and do recommend um but it's like a lot of things you know as a good family doctor if it sort of gets outside my scope of expertise which can happen right. i say go to a homeopath like i've got really good friends that are homeopaths and they're just out of this world homeopaths so and i learned from them you know i say okay what's the first couple things i can do for fever and some pain and you know everyone arnica all these other things and so i've got you know four or five things in my basic toolkit for homeopathy uh, but honestly, if it gets beyond that, I just, I, I have some homeopaths nearby. I would never attempt to do what they do. They are just gifted at what they do. Um, and they do it phenomenally, uh, you know, so, um, so yeah. it, I've seen it work really well and I understand enough about it to sort of explain it to my patients and have them, you know, it's really cool. Like if you look at, um, they've done some experiments, which I, you know, they've taken bacteria and they've taken penicillin. And of course we think of penicillin being antibiotic. And so we think in terms of this mechanical lock and key, like the penicillin has to hit the bacteria and do something to the surface to change it. Well, interestingly, I don't think it was on purpose, but they actually had bacteria separated from penicillin by a small glass or, or some sort of membrane. So the penicillin actually never touched the bacteria, but it was close to it. And the penicillin actually caused a reduction or a decrease in the bacteria on the other side of the glass by being near it. And, and kind of that makes sense. Um, so everything has a, a, a vibrational right. frequency. And so it's not necessary, nothing technically, I mean, on a molecular scale never actually touches anyway. So if you, so the idea of homeopathy is the, is the energetic frequency of a cure activates some particular healing mechanism in the body that you know responds to so anyway um homeopaths are amazing they they do great work i've taken homeopathic remedies many times um but i i'm not a homeopath um, yeah so but yeah so i knew we were gonna get this we have a lot of questions about like what do you do for arthritis gallbladder yeah. which we could literally spend hours talking sure. about that. yeah and so we'll probably bypass the health ones but i do have someone who has a quick question um they said what kind of tests do you recommend for testing liver health well honestly there i mean you can do a, there's so and if you do like a c it's called a cmp or a bmp a basic metabolic panel or a, or a complete metabolic panel like at our clinic is a ten dollar test so uh, it tests a bunch of things, liver function, kidney function, some basic electrolytes and protein levels and nutritional things. Um, but that's so AST, ALT, and then GGT can do it as well. So, um, um, so those are three super easy, super cheap tests for a, you know, again, a blood analysis of liver function. There's other ways uh, to do it. Ultrasound is super helpful for liver liver stuff too if you suspect anything um anything going on ten dollar test easy to do yeah yeah cool all right um last question how do we find, you probably don't have this answer how do we find a list of doctors in our area essentially how what would you recommend people start looking for um so the ifm institute for functional medicine has a pretty updated list of practitioners that are going to be you know more along the lines of 
of my thinking in terms of their, I would start there, the AAPS, so the American Academy of Physicians and Surgeons, you really need to check them out too. Um, they are a, um, they're sort of a uh, different, so they, their organization is a, an, op, an alternative to like the AMA or some of these more mainstream uh, medical societies and are much more you know, patient-centered, libertarian approach to, uh, to medicine, you know, trans price transparency. And so check out the AAPS. And I think they have, so if you AAPS members, um, direct primary care, search for them, search for IFM, so Institute of Functional Medicine. But you, you know, if you look at your doctor's website, you'll probably pretty quickly get a sense of at least what their, what their thinking is. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, obviously ask, I mean, good grief, there's a Facebook group for everything now. So, yeah. you know, I mean, um, so ask your neighbors or something like that. And, and I think what you want to be looking for is somebody who's not beholden to a particular, in, you know, in the thing that really I, I get all the time is like, well, I wish we'd come to you, but we have good insurance. And I was like, well, that's wonderful, but just know that your insurance company is dictating what is happening. Like they are telling the doctor what he, what they're willing to pay for, what they won't pay for, and many times they're telling him what he can say, what he can't say, um, and so that that does not come with no strings attached. It's really nice, I get it, but it, but just like anything else we do, with the convenience comes a great cost, and it may not be a cost that you realize. Yeah. Um, and so just, just be aware, there's a lot of doctors out there, just like farmers who are trying to make a living by keeping things simple and local and transparent. And we need to be careful about bypassing them because it's convenient, uh, or less expensive. It's very convenient to go to the local grocery store and get their chicken and their meat and their vegetables. But the farmer that's down the street that's trying to, to support his family by doing that is going to be more expensive and less convenient for you. Right. Uh, but if he goes away, same way if that doctor goes away, you're going to be sad. Yep. Yeah, we had that experience when my oldest son was little. Um, we, we had to quit going to the doctor because our insurance wouldn't let us go unless yep. we got all of the vaccines yep. that they recommended. And so... Yeah. They yep. just stopped seeing us. They wouldn't let us do it. So, yep. And we're, that's one of the reasons our practice is busy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. All right, Darren. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank it you. has been fun. I think we could talk a lot more about a lot more in depth topics. And I do, I want to catch you before you leave off okay. the Zoom chat. But, yep. Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments of this video. Not sure if we'll get to come back or not. But uh, have a great day. And as always, happy homesteading. Okay, see y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Homesteaders of America podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out online at homesteadersofamerica.com. Don't forget to check Mr. Hutton out online as well. We like to call him Dr. Homesteader. And until next time, happy homesteading.